0: Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Napitian, and Zion Trammell. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. It's a wonderful Wednesday night here in Fort Worth. I'm Ian Napitian, and I'm joined alongside Zion Trammel and Seth Dowdle. We've got a wonderful episode on tap for you all. And thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you guys are new, thank you so much for tuning in here. This is our typical time here on KTCU from 6 to 8 p.m. every Wednesday night. And if you're driving home from work or you're listening on YouTube or Spotify or you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your support, but we've got a great episode for you guys. And again, boys, welcome back to the studio.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. Ready for episode number three. We got a lot to look forward to in this episode.
2: Absolutely jam packed. And Ian, don't forget the folks over at YouTube who are watching along as well. This is a a fun time. We're posting the full thing to YouTube after this, so make sure to tune into that as well on our YouTube page at RiffRam Review. But yeah, absolutely exciting time here on the show as y'all both said we got a lot to talk about so i feel like we should stop dilly-dallying and just like get right into it right
0: yeah no exactly so starting off we definitely want to hit on some tcu football that's definitely one of the mainstays in our show and we're going to kick it off right there tcu's coming off the back of a big win over nickel state this last saturday 41 to 6 was the final score And TCU finally bounced back after that week one horrid loss to Colorado. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Look ahead to their game this Saturday against Houston down in Houston. Um, But yeah, just general thoughts from the game. What were some of your guys' takeaways, Zion? Um, just, Just starting with you, talk about the game.
1: Well, a win is a win. It doesn't matter who it's against. And for TCU, it certainly feels good to get that first win of the season. Against Nichols State, you know, I think there was a lot of heartbreak, a lot of disappointment after that week one loss to Colorado. So to come back and, you know, get a win here and the defense, not allowing a touchdown was a huge thing for them and a huge confidence boost. Uh, you know, I think the offense was a little little wonky at times. I think Chandler Mortz had a pretty solid game. I liked what I saw from him. He's very decisive, used his legs a lot more, but certainly uh, plenty of things to clean up. But a win's a win and TCU's one and one.
2: Yeah, just good to get, you know, that first one under your belt. Doesn't matter who it's against. Uh, and I feel like anyone in that locker room would tell you the exact same thing. It's always nice to see uh, a number other than zero uh, in that W column. You said it. I thought the defense improved. Also, nice to see them, you know, not allow a touchdown. Uh, offense still, though, at times was a little bit clunky. Uh, there was not, a, there was, I mean, and that's kind of weird to say, though, when, when you score 41 points that the offense, you know, there left some room to be desired. But uh, there was some, uh, Play calls uh, specifically on like uh, third and fourth downs, uh, throwing uh, balls short of the sticks, uh, where just just, just, nothing was getting going. But I thought that the team overall, you know, performed okay going into what is going to be, you know, the most important game up to this point. Uh, I mean, the Colorado game obviously that's a that's a very important one. You know, everyone's eyes are on you. But uh, conference play is when everything starts to really matter, and that's where. TCU finds itself uh, going into this week against Houston.
0: Yeah, no big game against Houston coming up this Saturday and just, I I guess just going on with nickel state, right? Again, I think the main message that we want to push here is look TCU got a win. And as big of a win that that is for this team, for this program and for these players and coaching staff, we did our job right on, on Saturday. We did exactly what we were expected to do. Um, Again, it wasn't the prettiest game by any means. Our offensive line was not nearly as strong as it was against Colorado. And that was something that Sonny Dykes talked about a little bit. He's He said that we missed some one-on-one matchups, allowed a, just too much pressure on that line of scrimmage. And But kind of to your point, Zion, you said that Chandler really learned how to use his legs more. and And it's good to see that, right? It's good to see that, look, against a team like Colorado— When the running game is working, you're able to use that to your advantage and just keep pushing the ball on the ground game with Imani Bailey, Trey Sanders, uh, Trent Battle. But when it doesn't work, you still have a quarterback that's comfortable enough and can kind of ad-lib as you go and use his legs. Because, again, we know that that was a huge issue for him um, after last season getting hurt against Colorado and kind of coming into this year.
1: Yeah, and that's something we saw with Max Duggan last season was using his legs. He's very physical on the ground, and certainly we saw that a little bit from Chandler Morris. And Andrew Coker, after the game, offensive lineman for TCU, said he was pretty fired up to see that, you know, to see him using his legs, and he got hit pretty hard a couple times, Uh, so that's definitely a good thing to see, he said he, after the game, Chandler said that he, he really liked that he was a little more decisive, and, you know, he only had four incompletions, so... He was pretty much perfect on on most of those throws and where we saw in week 1, you know, he, he kind of missed some opportunities to pick up some first downs. But TCU was 4 for 12 on third down and that's something that they could probably clean up especially in short yardage uh, situations. That's something where the Horn Frogs have not been able to capitalize where they were able to last year. And I don't want to compare too much to last season because this is a whole new team for the most part, but certainly there's some things, you know, you can look at the box score and say, "Wow, that's, you know, a blowout win." But against a team like that, that's sort of expected, and there's there's still a lot of things clean up. But overall, I was, I was I was pleased with Chandler's performance.
2: I would really like if Chandler Morris did not get into those kind of hits going forward. Uh, I, I have flashbacks to, I mean, the past two years, really. I mean, he's he got hurt against Oklahoma State the week following his heroic Baylor performance. Then he got hurt in the first game last year, which, you know, obviously I think everyone would say, even Chandler, like that benefited TCU to a certain extent, you know, Max coming in and, and and taking this team to new heights, but Chandler, my friend, we need your knees. Yes. We need them on the football field on a weekly basis because uh you have talent, my friend, and uh you can we've seen you exhibit that. I mean, hey, you can just go back. Every single time I hear someone doubt Chandler Morris, I try to point them in the direction of 2021 against Baylor because we've seen him do awesome stuff. He's very much capable of it, uh, and I think that everyone in that locker room believes that he can go out there on a week-to-week basis and deliver those kinds of heroics, and TCU's going to need him to be a really good quarterback moving forward.
0: Yeah, and, and one thing that I just want to touch on briefly with Chandler Morris, and it's, it's something that, you know, d- depending on how into TCU football you are, you may not know what he says about things about his confidence, especially because, you know, one thing that a lot of players have said is that Chandler isn't a vocal leader, but he leads by his actions, right? And, and I think we kind of see that too. He's a very different leader than Max Duggan was, and that's okay. Different doesn't mean worse or better. It's It just means different. But one thing that Morris said after the the, the game on Saturday was that he kind of talked about Kendall Bryles and um, his own mental health coach um, who helped him kind of get over that barrier in that mental block of rushing the ball because again Chandler Morris has the legs he's got the speed and, he, and he, he's got the ability to rush it's just for him and he said it he said it was a mental block that he frankly just had to get over and regain his confidence and I'm 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 glad to see that he said that because that takes a lot of that that takes a lot of gut to say that especially as a quarterback leading a team. You don't necessarily want to be like, hey, I've got these weaknesses here, but for someone to recognize that and to kind of lean on the coaching staff and the other players around him to say, look, this is something I need to grow into. I'm I'm happy to see, especially if I'm a TCU fan, TCU football fan, and I'm seeing that this team's struggling, but they have the heart and they have the desire to get better, I'm happy with that.
1: Yeah, that's certainly an encouraging sign and I think that's very bold and very you know, brave of Chandler Morris to speak out about that. And you know, I'm glad he's able to, you know, find a way to break down that barrier. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about a little more about the defense because they didn't allow a touchdown against Nichols. They got shredded by Shadur Sanders in week one. So it's it'll be interesting to see in week three against Houston how this, as they kind of meet in the middle here with this opponent and with, with Houston, I'm curious to see where this defense can play what level can this defense play to because it seemed like they were a lot more confident on Saturday a lot more energy that was something Johnny Hodges really wanted to see was more effort and more energy and I saw that with the defensive line they got fired up about a lot of you know tackles for loss or sacks and it reflected on the rest of the defense so I guess I'll leave this question open to you guys where do you see the TCU defense going from here because obviously they're it's going to be tough to keep this up, but will they meet in the middle of Colorado and nickel
2: state? I don't think that you can go anywhere, but up after the Colorado game, right? That's, that's, uh, that's, or I guess down in terms of, you know, allowing things you can certainly, uh, I don't, I don't think you can allow more than 45 points and then 500, 500 blank passing yards, uh, to anyone on this schedule. Again, maybe with Quinn Ewers probably could do that if, if he has a good day, but, uh, I really expect some good things out of this TCU defense, especially against Houston. And we'll get into kind of a preview of the Houston game here in a minute. But uh, if you can do that, you kind of replicate your performance, obviously against a lesser opponent in Nichols. But going into Houston, who is coming off of, and I guess we can touch on it now, probably the worst loss, or maybe arguably the worst loss last week, and maybe... uh, of all this entire season so far for a Power Five opponent against a Group of Five opponent, uh, Houston lost to Rice in double overtime. Uh, Rice has not beaten had not beaten Houston in 13 years. Obviously, Rice and Houston both in the same city, so they play each other every year. They play for a trophy. It's all fun and games, but it's not really a rivalry because Houston's just been so dominant. But l- yes, uh, last Saturday, this past Saturday. Uh, Houston goes into Rice there was probably like two people there uh, there were not that many people there I don't know if y'all see all the scenes yeah. of them rushing the field yep, there were yep. not that many people uh but Rice, you know, storms out to that 28 nothing lead. Houston comes back and ties it, sends it to overtime, but they just can't get it done, and Rice comes home with the win. And to just be completely frank with you, if you're a Houston fan, that loss is inexcusable. That is an inexcusable loss to a team that is, uh, on paper, inferior to you. And now they're going to have to come in. It's their first game in the Big 12. Very interested to see how that's handled. It's a home game at night on Fox. So, what is the vibes going to be for the Houston team? Are they either going to they're either going to you know slink down and and give up, right? Which is certainly a, something that you don't want to see for a team early on in the season. Or you know they're going to rise to the challenge and face again. TCU's going to have a, a target on their back this year, no matter how they're doing, because they are the reigning national runner-ups, no matter what. And so the and it's their first Big 12 game too for Houston. So there's a lot going on in the in Houston town right now, and Houston and, and TCU's. TCU might be walking into, uh, there's just a lot that they're walking into. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, and and I think heading into this Houston game, right, on paper for TCU, you would, you would expect nothing less but a win to, to come away from Houston. But just like you said, this is going to be a huge test, not just for TCU, but for Houston as well, right? I mean, this is a TCU team that is young, and experienced and is going on the road for the first time this season to open up Big 12 Conference play. And then on the other hand, you have a Houston team that, is going to be amped for their first ever Big 12 game, and so you're going to see both of these teams with a lot to prove. And then you look at Houston's head coach Dana Holgerson. Seth, you and I were talking about it yesterday and today. He's on the hot seat, and especially after this 43 to 41 loss. Yes, they they beat UTSA to start the season. Good, good for Houston. They did what they're supposed to do. But this loss to Rice is huge, and you know, for Dana Holgerson, there's there's definitely going to be some some talk about him and and his future, possibly.
1: Yeah, I could totally see this game being pretty sloppy if I'm being honest. I again, we you know, we just we've talked about Houston losing to Rice. I, I don't know, for me personally, I I just it's hard for me to imagine that TCU just blows them out of the water and it's it's hard for me to also imagine Houston they could win this game, but I I think it's probably going to be a low-scoring defensive battle where TCU hopefully comes out on top but you could totally I could totally see like a 20 21-13 or 24-20 kind of like where the points aren't coming very easy and it's, it's just not great football but who knows I could be totally wrong about that but yeah there is a lot to prove for Houston and and for TCU so that's certainly something to look forward to
2: Houston quarterbacked by Donovan Smith uh, former Texas Tech Red Raider uh so TCU has seen the quarterback for the Houston Cougars before. They saw him last season. Um, And... You know, he was kind of just the guy who was used on fourth downs. I remember a lot for Tech last year. Yep. They brought him in in those like fourth and short spots. Uh, some some uh, really gutsy calls from Joey McGuire to try and get them back in the ball game that ended up costing Tech the ball game. But that's neither here nor there. But Donovan Smith was that kind of guy. He came in. He was essentially the all right lineup behind center, and we're going to push you in, uh, for a first down kind of person. But he's the starting quarterback at Houston. And what's what's tricky about you know predicting. Uh, how a quarterback like he plays is like one he's a little streaky and two he's fast he's got the speed and running quarterbacks are always a little bit more difficult to defend uh, but and, and for a three three five defense too where if you're not filling those holes there might be some holes for the quarterback to run through it's going to be interesting to see how TCU handles him specifically, but the good news for him and this might be you know a discussion. Throughout the season, as TCU does have some film on Donovan Smith, and Sonny Dykes is familiar with Dana Holgerson too. Exactly, and I mean Sonny Dykes and Dana Holgerson go way back. I, I, if
0: I'm not mistaken, they coached. It was either 06 or 07 when they were both coaches under Mike Leach, and I mean they know each other incredibly well. Um, yeah, I mean even in the press conference, Sonny Dykes had had these words to say about Dana.
3: You know, when I went to Kentucky, I used to hear Mike talk about Dana. He called him Little Dana, and he always talked about Little Dana all the time. I'm like, who's this Little Dana guy he's always talking about? And then, you know, had a chance to meet him, and, and, uh, and then we had a chance to work together. And, you know, I loved working with him. I mean, look, we're – I mean, truly, Dana feels like part of our family in, in a kind of a, a strange sort of way. I mean, I know his kids. Um, you know, his son Logan's, I think, the world of him. And we got a lot of respect for for Dana. And, and – um, you know, I, I think it's just a relationship that goes back a long time, and I think there's some a lot of mutual respect there.
0: Yeah, so right there, a, a a lot of mutual respect, I think, is the is the phrase to wrap that kind of that that talk up between Holgerson and Dykes. I mean, it's two guys again that go way back, and they have respect for each other and for for each other's programs and how they each came up through different ways of coaching and kind of have found their they've they've found their own teams and and established themselves. Um, no, really excited for this game. Uh, again, both of these teams have a lot to prove, and Dana Holgerson is on the hot seat. So, I mean, these 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 two teams will have a lot to go at. But kind of just getting back to the game part of it, right? The, the TCU offense needs to take advantage of this Houston defense. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about the TCU defense based off of our performance against Nichols. It didn't necessarily make me feel much better after the Colorado game, but if there's any part that TCU needs to take advantage of, I would say it's taking advantage of the Cougars' defense.
2: Yeah, uh, the defense. I mean, you just got to look to the final score against Rice, and yeah. you're like, "Yikes!" Yeah. Okay. Well, forty plus points against the Rice Owls—that's you're a little leaky there, aren't you, defense? Uh, yeah. That's TCU's got to take advantage of it. They took advantage against Colorado to a certain extent, right? I mean, you score forty-two points, you think you're—that's good enough to win a football game? TCU. I mean, TCU's averaging forty. One and a half points right now. Yep, to, to the first three ga- two games, which usually you would if you looked at a team and they're averaging forty plus points a game, you'd say they're probably two and zero. Oh, yep, but the defense is really going to have to step it up. You said it, Ian. Um, we're interested to see the linebackers really going to have to be speedy with Donovan Smith because you know we talked about it in that Colorado game there just wasn't that you know quickness to get to the edge or to find or to to, to get get those guys on the outside that's going to have to happen against Houston and it might be you know a really really rowdy environment so they're going to have to be they're going to have to be amped it's going to be really interesting to see how everyone handles that that's kind of i feel like the theme of this Houston preview is how is everyone going to handle all like the outside pressure that is on them tcu is one and one not where they expected to be houston also one and one not where they expected to be oh also it's your first big 12 game good luck
1: Yep, and the first road game for tcu as well which is part of the reason why i i think the offense should perform well but they might fall a little short of expectations in my opinion i'm not saying that's going to happen and i don't think you have to agree or you know but that's just personally my opinion so we'll see what happens but i'm i'm looking forward to this game i think it's it could be a good indication of what's to come for TCU
0: well TCU is going to travel down to take on the Houston Cougars and Dana Holgerson that's going to be kickoff on Saturday at 7 p.m. but quickly bef- before we wrap this up let's get on our score prediction. so i i guess I'll start but i i I think this will be a lot closer than we want maybe i'm taking this a little little too hard but I'm going to say TCU
2: 27-24.
1: Yeah, that's similar to what I have. I have 24-17 to 17 with the Horned
0: Frogs winning.
2: TCU 31, Houston 21. Okay.
0: All right. So, again, all of us picking TCU just like we always do. I enjoy that. Hoping that the Horned Frogs can put together another great win, and this time on the road down in Houston. Again, that's going to be kickoff on Saturday night at 7 p.m., TCU looking for their second win of the season. Stay here on 88.7 The Choice as we've got another hour and 40 minutes left to go here on Riff Ram Review. You're listening to Riff Ram Review on 88.7 The Choice.
1: Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. We just talked about TCU football and their matchup coming up with Houston. Now we are going to get into the rest of college football. It was a busy one, highlighted by some big-time games, including Texas, the Texas Longhorns beating Alabama 34 34- it's 24. I know Matthew McConaughey was really amped up about the about that game.
2: He he was. He was he was there uh, along with Glenn Powell, noted uh, Texas alum as well and they were on the sidelines and there were many, many a video of them high-fiving, hugging and doing all types of fun things together as they celebrated their Longhorn win.
1: Well, it certainly was a big time win and one of the biggest wins in their football program and Several years, if I'm being honest, to go into Tuscaloosa and knocking off number three, Alabama. Nick Saban does not lose at home very often. So that was a big statement win for the Longhorns. We'll also talk about Colorado and Nebraska and a few other games. But, Seth, let's talk first. You had your little football, college football bunker
2: a dungeon, Saturday. if you will, yes. A, a
1: dungeon. Now, why don't you explain to the to the audience what your setup looked like in the best way possible?
2: Yes, 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 yes. Well, my two friends on the other side of the glass here, Ian Napishan and Zion, <laughs> were at Amon G. Carter Stadium, you know, f- f- boots on the ground, you know, doing, doing the Lord's work uh, for the TCU football program. I locked myself in my apartment. I turned on one TV, turned on another TV... Got my laptop open, got my iPad open, and then my phone as well. And all five of those things were um, filled with college football. Every, just from 11 a.m. to 1.30 at night when California, Auburn ended, I was watching uh, college football. I saw every single minute of it, uh, so if you have a question about anything that happened on saturday send it my way because i know the answer so
0: so I, I do have a question can you repeat how many screens you had open again it was your tv right and then
2: what What five i had two tvs yeah oh and my god my laptop my ipad and my phone so five yes
0: five and and it was you and and toby right toby the cat yeah toby the cat that's it
1: <laughs> wow that is incredible
0: dedication
1: to college football and so you're watching uh the- former TCU quarterback Sam Jackson. I did watch Cal. Sam Jackson.
2: They 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 lost just barely to Auburn. It was very close. Um they they almost pulled it out. Would have been a really you know big upset. I mean we can talk about it a little bit later. SEC struggling and out of conference play, and uh, we they, that agenda would be even higher if uh, California had managed to beat Auburn. But yeah, anyway, a really fun day of watching college football. Wish there could have been more people than just me and my cat to, to enjoy
1: it. <laughs> I'm sure Toby enjoyed it a lot.
2: Toby he,
0: loves football, doesn't he?
2: Hey, I to be honest, he was not in the like the screens were on, and he was like, I'm out. I'm really. Going. I'm gonna sit in the closet and just eat my food. Like,
1: imagine though the power, you know, going it Yeah. It did.
2: It, it did. It But I don't think that was because of me. I think that was because of something else, probably.
0: Yeah. I think it was because of you. You had five screens on with college football yeah. from what? From from That's twelve to yeah one a.m. to
2: like one a.m. around it. Basically.
0: Yeah. Basically. I'm I'm pretty sure you caused a whole block to power out. I, I I'm pretty sure that enough was you about and Toby. me
2: and causing Hewen Street <laughs> yes. to be at, without power for uh,
1: so yeah for so a we'll, while. we'll we'll talk about Texas and Alabama first you know we we kind of mentioned it already but Quinn Ewers with a big time game he went 24 38 349 yards and three touchdowns he made an incredible beautiful throw it
2: was beautiful he had he had two like that throw that you're thinking of right now made two of them
1: yeah the it just hung in the air for about. It felt like an hour, like how long it was up in the air and just on a dime.
2: To Adonai Mitchell. It just yeah, made it's a Mitchell, absolute, yeah. an uh, amazing catch.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about this game. For Texas, what does this mean for their program? You know, th- I mean, they've been trying to prove that they're a legitimate football program and they've fallen short several times over the last few years, but... Does this speak more to how good Texas played, or is Alabama not as good this season as years past?
2: I think that it is the former there. I think that while there may be a kernel of truth to that latter statement of Alabama is slipping a little bit, I think that this Texas team is legit. I, I really think they're really good. the ro- the the talent on the roster has always been there. It was there last year. It was there the year before. They this roster, no matter who the head coach is, has always had legit talent. But this year, it really is all coming together. Quinn Ewers, maybe you know, it's going to be funny when Quinn Ewers doesn't play that well against the rest of the rest of the schedule, and the only team he performs <laughs> well against is Alabama. It, that, but that's that's just a little funny. Funny, you know. Thing that could happen in the future, but I don't think it will. But just look at this box score and like all of the talent and that that is coming together for Texas. Y'all remember last year? I remember going to the TCU Texas game. I was so scared of what jatavian Sanders was yes, going to do to I TCU, agree. and he didn't do much. Five catches for Jatavian Sanders for 114 yards. Yeah. That's pretty good. Adenai Mitchell three catches for 78 yards, two tutties and then Xavier Worthy, who is you know everyone knows about how good Xavier Worthy is, five catches for seventy-five yards and a touchdown. And then everyone else, there's a lot of other people that are getting involved as well. And then the defense was really good as well. Uh, Alabama, a little bit more limited on offense this year. Jalen Milrow is certainly not Bryce Young. He's not trying to be Bryce Young, but he certainly is a little bit more limited in, in the passing game at least. He really relies on his run game. What's 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 concerning for Alabama about Jalen Milrow is he'll. The ball is snapped. He's in shotgun. He'll snap the ball, and then he has no pocket presence. He immediately, even if there's no pressure, he'll get out of there and just run and try and make something himself. And then immediately, his wide receivers are on scramble drill, even if there was no pressure. So that's a little concerning that he's not willing to just sit in the pocket and take his reads. But that also speaks to a little bit of how good the defense was for Texas, right? I mean... They're covering these Alabama receivers well. That there was consistent pressure on Jalen Milroe He f- felt like he was under attack for a lot of the game. So yeah, I think that this speaks more to Texas's potential to be really good this year. And in a Big 12 that is, in my opinion, a little weaker than it has been in years past. Texas, and they have the potential to do it every year, has the potential to win this league and run the table.
1: Yeah, I mean it. You're right. The Big 12 is pretty top-heavy. You sort of have Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and to me, there just feels like a bit of a pretty significant drop-off. Am I wrong there?
2: I, I no. I think you're very pretty accurate with that.
1: Yeah. So, and like you mentioned, Jalen Milroe ran it 15 times, and he completed 14 passes. So he was running out of the pocket more than he was completing passes. And he only gained 44 yards on the ground. Texas did a pretty good job of stopping the run, and we were actually watching the end of the game because TCU was blowing out Nichols State. Ian and I were watching on someone else's phone the end of the game, so that was that was pretty interesting to see that unfold. And we're just thinking, "Wow, like Texas really did it. That's insane."
0: Yeah, and 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 kind of going back to the talk about Jalen Milrow, right? I, th- I think it was you set that said it, right? It's it's kind of frustrating to have a quarterback that one doesn't have pocket presence but also doesn't have the patience to make those reads right and again maybe just like we're saying this is kind of going to be a turning point maybe for the program and for the next couple of years perhaps right this could just be look there was a lot of talent that's left Alabama over the last couple of years and this could be not necessarily a rebuilding phase but a phase where it's going to be a transition for a lot of guys right and Kind of that that was kind of the talk with Texas too, is look, there's a lot of moving pieces to this team and they haven't put it together, but now you look at this and Quinn Ewers is no longer the same young guy that he was a couple of years ago. He's now established himself and this could be the year that he finally kind of takes hold of this team and can lead Texas to what they've So he, that he's he can finally lead this team to what they're supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah, just to put this game in perspective for how significant it is that Texas went into Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. This broke a 21-game home winning streak for Alabama. The last time that Alabama lost at home was back in 2019 when they lost 46 to 41 to number 1 LSU. That was the Joe Burrow LSU team. Nick Saban at home is 103 and 9. Wow. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, he doesn't lose. Three at all. of
2: those losses came in his first year as the head coach of Alabama. Wow. In his seventeen seasons, he's only lost nine times at home. And wow. the Longhorns went into Tuscaloosa, one of the toughest environments in, in college football and, and they got a W. And it was pretty it was pretty convincing as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's 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 very impressive. But it seemed to me the big talk was once again about Deion Sanders and those Colorado Buffaloes who have taken not just college football, but the nation by storm. It really feels like Gus Johnson and Joel Clapp said on the broadcast that this is the biggest story in sports. Now, whether you agree with that or not, it's up to you. But that's what they said. Colorado beat Nebraska 36-14. Big noon kickoff was there again. Shadour Sanders had 393 yards and two touchdowns. It was pretty close early on. It felt like Colorado was a little trying to get into their offense a little bit. It felt like they weren't executing the way they wanted to. They got some unnecessary penalties, but then they just hit another gear in that second half. And that atmosphere was electric. Honestly, it was really cool to see all the Colorado fans showing up for this football program that has struggled for so many years, and they got another win against Nebraska. They go to 2 and 0 on the season.
2: Uh what is a buffalo? What's what is a Buffalo sound? I'm. Try- I was trying to. I was gonna try and conjure mm. up one. Oh, yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah, every- <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna try that. If I'm being honest, we're gonna you know. do
2: that every time they win.
1: Or a cornhusker.
0: <laughs> a cornhusker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Wrong state. Wrong yeah. state. Well, well, still corn. Yeah, Cornfields. Still, still yeah. corn.
2: Uh, Zion, you and I were texting about this game while it was happening. Uh, it kind of felt like. Nebraska early on in the game, specifically the first half, used the film that they saw uh, in Colorado TCU and 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 built their defense around that a lot, and they were getting stops. Like Colorado was very like visibly frustrated on offense, right? Yeah, they couldn't get anything going. Yeah, yeah. look at Nebraska, and and Nebraska lost the game, uh, one because uh, the defense kind of you know crumbled toward the end, also because Jeff Sims is a turnover machine. Yes, he uh, he is a walking turnover.
1: It it was. I hate like I hate to say this about a quarterback but it was really just hard. It was a painful watch to see Jeff Sims at quarterback. There was a moment where Gus Johnson said that he is losing them ball games essentially. And then the next play he throws an interception. <laughs> like oh my god, it is it's just hard and Nebraska's offense is just pitiful to begin with. It's not good. It's not good.
2: Yeah, to, to, to just you know, for for all that's worth, Jeff Smith, Jeff Sims is not playing with you know good. He doesn't have the the tools necessary really to to, to pitch the ball to Dylan good Edwards. receivers. But also this, Jeff Sims in his career in between Georgia Tech and now Nebraska, he's been in college for three four years. Has thirty seven turnovers. Oh wow! That leads active Big Ten players. That's not good. I'm coming. I'm coming with the stats today, you, guys. 30, you Seven.
1: are our statistician today. Thirty-seven
2: turnovers. St- Seth had three of them uh, on Saturday. That interception, which was just hilarious, broadcaster timing. There was one really early where he just dropped a snap. He just dropped the snap. Yeah. I think he dropped the snap twice. Am I wrong? Did he just drop two snaps? I think it was two snaps. Yeah. And one of them was like deep in their own territory. And yeah, that and that and was, that was yeah. what allowed Colorado to get their first touchdown on the board. And then from there it was just the that offense was just clicking.
0: Yeah. And and I think when looking at this Nebraska team, right, I think one thing, at least from week one to week two, that kind of helped Nebraska was that they were able to really prep for this Colorado team that really nobody knew exactly how they would play. They didn't know how their offense would be run. They didn't know how their defense was really going to run. Um, but for Nebraska, right, I think what's unfortunate for them and their situation was that they held Colorado scoreless for a good chunk of time. And then that minute that it kind of, that, that those tides shifted, the floodgates just opened and there was just no stopping the Buffaloes.
1: Yeah. I think Nebraska did a pretty good job early on getting to Shador Sanders. Yep. I think the past past, protection for Colorado struggled a little bit, but also that was due to Shadour Sanders holding on to the ball for a little too long. And Nebraska, they run a 3-3-5 defense as well, and they were still able to get pressure, bringing blitzes, whatever. But, yeah, we saw an explosion from Shadour Sanders. This dude's really special. Like, we ha- we have to be talking about him more and more because what he's doing right now is something that very few people anticipated – and he had another phenomenal game, and he has to be a Heisman front runner. It's early, I get that, but he definitely needs to be considered.
2: Yeah, Zion, that was my uh, my question there. Who is a bigger Heisman favorite on the Colorado roster right now, Travis Hunter or Shador Sanders? Would, Shador, man. Yeah, uh, it because has he's to the be.
1: quarterback, yep. it's, to me, I think what Travis Hunter brings is so creative and so unique, the fact that he can play both sides of the ball wide receiver and corner and he's, very well too yeah he's good yeah. at both and it's we've had this discussion at which he's better at but he's just fantastic at both but yeah it's typically just going to go to the quarterback yeah and it's pretty much how it is for the nfl as well but yeah i would say Shadour.
2: should we rapid fire through some other these notable texas games i feel like we're just gonna kind of we're gonna Stay on Texas college football, because outside of the Longhorns, uh, guys, it's not looking too good right now. It's not.
1: It's bad. Yeah, Baylor lost to Utah 20-13. That was sort of expected, but I don't think many people thought Baylor would be 0-2. Uh, Texas Tech, who had relatively high expectations coming into the season, had a lead against Bo Nix and Oregon, but they lost in the last few minutes in that one. And Texas A&M was to Miami. Thirty-three to forty-eight, un- the, unranked Miami.
2: The final score there does not indicate how like that. That score is not close, but that game was not close at all. Yeah. Uh, two of Texas A&M's first, their first two touchdowns came on uh, two turnovers deep in Miami territory. They got the ball at the nine and got the ball at the fifteen and scored touchdowns on both. But there was no consistent op- op- offense. Uh, Texas a A&M, Texas A&M's defensive back. Backfield was just uh, a very leaky, a very leaky dam. They were just letting Miami receivers run wide and free all night long.
1: Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke had 374 yards and five touchdowns. It was a pretty bad performance from Texas A&M. And yeah, the entire state of Texas is down bad right now, except the
2: Longhorns, honestly. And and Baylor had a lead with less than six minutes left against Utah. Uh, and very similar to kind of what we've seen from Dave Aranda and those offenses in the past. Well, Dave Aranda doesn't run the offense, but Dave Aranda-Baylor teams is, we can point to the TCU game, they get a lead, and they're now, they're playing not to lose. They're not playing to win. They don't get aggressive, and that's exactly what happened. I get it. They had a backup quarterback in. Blake Shapin's hurt, but they just kind of held the ball, uh, tried to run some clock. Utah gets the ball, drives down the field, an eight-minute drive to tie the game at 20, or at 13, and then immediately... Now Baylor has to kind of be a little aggressive, and Sawyer Robertson throws a pick on like the first two plays of the drive. Utah scores, and then Baylor, a little controversial call at the end, probably should have got a free play at like the two. Yep. They should have because th- that was pass interference. It was, but they didn't win.
0: Yeah, and and kind of just with Baylor, I it's it's unfortunate because I feel like with with them and and Seth, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, but you know once you get a lead, you you can't play to just keep it. You need to be aggressive still. And This is something that you even see with certain NFL teams when they get the lead, and you just look at them, and you say, guys, play with the lead. Don't play like you're holding on by the skin of your teeth here. You know, you need to stay aggressive, and we've seen that in years past with Baylor. We saw it this year. Again, and then in terms of Baylor and Texas Tech, who would have thought both of these teams would be 0-2, right? Baylor losing to Texas State, Texas Tech losing to Wyoming, and now— the fingers kind of again, just like last season, you point them to to Dave Aranda, and unfortunately for Dave Aranda, I think he's a great guy. I, I love listening to his press conferences. He always, no matter what the question is, he finds a really insightful way to answer it and kind of teach a life lesson out of it. So he's a really good person, and I'm sure a a a, a, a motivating coach to play for. But at a certain point, that finger's got to be pointed, and you have to ask the question: You got to win games. You got to win games. And when do we? take this into our own hands in transition, right?
1: Yeah, so we'll see what happens with Baylor, and we'll see how the rest of the college football teams in Texas will do. We've got a lot of exciting college football going on for the rest of the week, but coming up next, we're going to be talking about the NFL Week 1, and I cannot wait to talk about how the Cowboys completely dismantled the New York (laughs) Giants. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice.
3: Hey, Mom, can we go rollerblading? Oh, not tonight, sweetie. Maybe another night.
1: Mom, parents who spend time with their kids in their younger years have a better chance of being close to their kids in those difficult teen years. I'm 12 right now, and when I turn 13, I'll become a whole different person, someone you won't even know. I'll be a roller coaster of emotions. Sometimes so sweet, you'll wonder what my motives are. And sometimes I'll burst into tears because I can't find my biology book.
2: Okay.
1: And what about when I start dating You bring home some guy who wants to take me away to Burma and live in a yurt? A what? How are you going to deal with that if we're not close?
0: Get your blades, honey.
3: Give your family everything. Give them your time. Mom, I can't find my rollerblades. Oh boy. Who
0: took my rollerblades? Okay, calm down. We'll find it. <laughs> Just kidding.
3: From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
0: Welcome back to Riff Ram Revere, Review, excuse me, here on 88.7, The Choice, Your Choice for College Radio. I'm Ian Napetian, joined by Zion Trammel and Seth Dowdle. Earlier in this hour, we talked about some TCU football, some college football, and Seth's dungeon, if you will. But now it's time to shift the focus. Out of
2: context, that does not make any (laughs) sense.
0: College football, bunker, (laughs) Seth's dungeon. But now we're going to shift the focus to some NFL talk, more precisely, the Dallas Cowboys. And we have a special message coming in here from our dear, dear friend, Jimmy Johnson.
1: How about them Cowboys baby?
2: Oh my 40 goodness. Burger baby, the Giants they thought they were back, but now they're back in the dumpster. They were back in the
1: wrong place. Oh my gosh, Seth, let me just say to open up the NFL season on Sunday Night Football where millions of people are watching because America's team was playing in prime time. The Dallas Cowboys just destroyed the New York Giants. 40 40- nothing I, I cannot tell you how perfect that game was. Oh, my goodness. It was so much fun to watch. The defense balled out. They played arguably the best game I've ever seen from a Dallas Cowboys defense, let alone a defense, period. It was insane. Seven sacks, two interceptions, one pick six, one blocked field goal for a touchdown, five forced fumbles. And, of course— Woo-wee the zero on the board. Oh, that was a great game. I'm I'm still fired up about that win. <laughs>
2: want to make it, want to just kind of put the just open up the wound even more for the Giants. Here's a stat for you. Oh. Those things that Zion just mentioned, those things in combination have never happened to a team in the same season, let alone in one game. Ooh. The Giants were obliterated.
1: Yeah. Yep. You know, what was probably one of the craziest plays from this game was the fact that Trayvon Diggs, who is criticized for being a poor tackler, he's obviously got great hands, whatever, he's a poor tackler, popped Saquon Barkley and forced a fumble, I guess. Yeah, it, was a, it was an interception. It was an interception, yeah. but it kind of felt like a fumble, and uh, Deron Bland took it to the house. That was pretty sweet. It, just, it was a fun ride. I think we really need to just talk about how legitimate this Cowboys defense is. They have so many guys that can attack the quarterback. Of course, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, but you have Osa Digizua up the middle. Jonathan Hankins is a great run stopper. He had a pretty good game as well. I'm trying to think. Dorrance Armstrong also had a sack. It's an incredible defense. Dan Quinn is the GOAT. I love this man. He has turned this defense in 2020 the worst defense I've ever seen to now the best Cowboys defense I've seen. Adding Stephon Gilmore who had an interception, it was a remarkable game. Dan Quinn cooked, bro.
2: Yeah, it just And you, you add like what was a really good front seven. Then you add now in the back, you already got Diggs, right? Who's a very he's a he's a good he's a decent to good corner, right? And then Gilmore now, oh my goodness, right? that You're legit, and then you got guys back there, t- other guys back there too that can really make a difference. It's a, it's a it's a great improvement this past three years. What a hire uh, by Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones to to get Dan Quinn uh after Zion. You said it. The 2020 defense for the Dallas Cowboys might have been the most horrific thing to ever step foot on a football field. <laughs> it it was, was so
1: bad, bad. <laughs> like it was atrocious. And then on top of the fact that Dak Prescott was out for the entire year. That was, oof, that was a tough year, man. Yeah.
2: Throwing Andy Dalton out to the Wolves. Oh, my
0: God. That felt bad. Well, 40-zip is pretty crazy, but I got one more stat for you, Mr. Statistician Seth, all right? The last time the Giants were shut out to open up a season was September 4th, 1995. What happened that year? Against, guess who?
2: The Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. And guess what happened in 1995? The Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl.
0: They
1: did, and that was the last time.
2: Yeah, oh, are we? Is this just? This is are, just the overreaction corner right now. Are we calling this? <laughs> no. Book my ticket.
1: That was the, that was the last time we won the Super Bowl. So it, it's kind of been a while. I'll, I'll, I'll humble myself a little bit, okay? I, let me have my wins, people, okay? The Cowboys don't get many, especially in the playoffs. In, I'm very happy with this. And on top of that, just I'll talk about it briefly, is the new offense with Mike McCarthy. We didn't really get to see it much because they were winning the whole game, and they didn't really need to do a, a whole lot. But I liked what I saw from Tony Pollard. Yep. Offensive line did pretty well for Dak. It
2: beat up a bit, and I thought it did good, yeah.
1: Yeah, Dak just had to game manage, and that's really all he has to do this season is game manage, in my opinion, with how good this defense is. CeeDee Lamb had a solid game. Didn't need to do a whole lot from the offense. They did enough, and I'm I'm okay with it. I think it's going to be a good offense under Mike McCarthy.
2: It was fun because the game was such a blowout. We got to see Cooper rush like a fourth of the way through the fourth quarter, and Deuce Vaughn was back there was. Uh, looking smaller than he did when he was at K State. I <laughs> swear this man, popped. I swear this man shrunk since the last time I saw him.
0: Yeah, no, Deuce Vaughn is incredibly small. I I, I went to the I went to one of the Cowboys preseason games earlier this year, and um, I think it was against the Jaguars, and I didn't realize how small Deuce Vaughn was until I actually saw him in person next to those gigantic defensive linemen and those linebackers. I mean, right, Deuce Vaughn is small, but then you see him and you're like, yikes, dude, this looks like a middle schooler type height. You know what's crazy,
2: though? The last time that any of us, prior to you going to the preseason game, Ian, had seen Deuce Vaughn in person was him eating uh, Mark Perry's ankles. In the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I remember
0: yeah. that. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn is a certified TCU killer.
2: Dude, Dude's great. And he's that's, a great little player.
1: And that's why I was so happy that the Cowboys <laughs> drafted him. I was like, I don't have to root a guy against this guy anymore. Like He's on my team. You know who I really wanted to see, though? was Trey Lance. I know he's inactive. Oh God, I yeah. just want to see it, man. Come on. Give the people what they want. It's That's... like,
2: Trey, you don't know the playbook yet, but go.
1: Especially uh, my friend Jason. Give us Trey Lance. Come on now. I got
0: to be honest. When I first saw Trey Lance on the screen when they panned to him on, on, on TV and I saw him in the Cowboys uniform for like the first time, I had to do a double take. It was just very strange going from the red and gold colors to just... Dallas Cowboys American type team. It was it was kind of bamboozling to be completely honest yeah, It was kind of weird. What's crazy
2: about Trey Lance is he's such like a national football figure but he's played in like less than 5 games.
1: I know. He's he's one of the most popular name I mean not one of the most popular but yeah, most people know who he is and yeah, he's barely played.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But no, I mean crazy game to start this season. I mean, you can't really ask for anything else if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan and then I do want to touch on Giants fans in general. I can't imagine how they felt. NFL tickets are not cheap. You go. It's raining. It's, it's raining. Pouring. Yep, it's pouring in New Jersey, right? MetLife Stadium, yeah. right? And you watch your team get, a, get 40 points stacked against you to open up the season. I mean, like, you know, also shout out Matt Salati. Sorry. But yeah. it's tough. I can't imagine how those fans felt. You spending... A, a good chunk of your lump sum money on some tickets and seeing that that's got to be pretty well, let's go through
2: the game a little bit here because <laughs> there is some things that they can chew on that were positive all right that first drive was pretty had, had some stuff going for them it, literally i thought that this this was going to be a game because of of how well they were running the ball and i was like here we go again this is the problem last year the defense is good but if as long as you make sure that they you know the, the corners can't do their job and then like avoid the Like get the ball out quick or run the ball, then the defense is a little bit in trouble. And then the the bad snap right from the rookie center, and then the blocked field goal return for a touchdown. And then I don't did they quit? I don't know what happened.
1: Yeah, I think they just forgot how to play football, especially the offensive line. I don't know what they were just getting overpowered
2: controller died somebody's, somebody's what, controller died. what i felt what i thought was odd though was the game plan going into that first drive was completely how it was like what you would expect for against the cowboys defense is pound the rock right give it to saquon and you know let him find holes right up the middle and then they completely almost abandoned that immediately on that second drive and were like all right daniel jones drop back and find us a receiver and they don't really have any receivers i mean sterling shepherd nah no. uh Darren Waller his hamstring is 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 yep. perpetually hurt Darius Slayton oh.
1: yeah I think Isaiah Hodgins is the is yeah. the guy that I think could have potential here for the Giants but yeah they don't really have anyone that was that was tough but I mean they okay they do have guys and I actually want to say this but it's as fun as it is clowning on the Giants they have a good football team mm-hmm. this will not. Tell the story of the Giants 2023 season. If they stay healthy, especially if Saquon's healthy, this will be a good football team. They're not gonna put up this kind of performance. I think they could still I think they likely could still make the playoffs, honestly, despite how good the NFC East is. Darren Waller is a good addition. He showed some flashes when the Giants had something of an offense. You know, like I mean it's it's just hard. Like there's no positives you could really say for the Giants. But they're a good football team. Daniel Jones is an okay quarterback. He can get them to the postseason, and the Giants defense isn't that bad.
2: I think the most inexcusable thing, though, for this game is why in the world is Daniel Jones just yes. taking hit after hit? I wish I got the clip from Chris Collinsworth where he was praising Daniel Jones for being, you know, a warrior, a trooper of sorts. You know, like this is a statement. This from is my Dan- team. I, he, he's going to stay there, and this is a statement, right? And yeah. then, like, the next. Play, he just got walloped, and and Mike Tirico went, oh. yes,
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, who's the backup, was probably like, oh, thank God, I don't have to go out there right now. Otherwise, Micah Parsons is just gonna obliterate me. Like that was. Yeah, I I thought that was a little strange, too, that Daniel Jones stayed in for as long as he could. Jersey's
2: soaking wet. He weighs oh, 10 pounds more than he did before I, the game started.
1: Yeah, I don't think Daniel Jones wanted anything more. He did not want to be – I'm sure he did, but like he probably was like, I'm just ready to go home, man. I am going to ice and just crash because this is not fun.
0: Yeah, and, and talking with Daniel Jones, right, I mean – the thing is, he's a decent quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's not the worst of the bunch that there are in the NFL. And he's no th- Josh Dobbs. We'll say that. Yeah. Well, well, with 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 Daniel Jones, I think it's the frustration for him, and this could be for the Giants throughout this season, depending on how they bounce back from this. But you can have as great of a quarterback as you want back there, but if your offensive line can't handle any sort of pressure, granted they're going up a uh, they were going up against the Cowboys' D line that's incredibly strong and skilled, but you can have what whoever you want in your pocket but if you have no protection for him that's going to be the end of it and i think that's what's frustrating is that then 3 quarters of this right and you're down by you're you're down 33 zip after 3 quarters and you still
2: leave him out there and well, the Cowboys are putting their backups in th- in the fourth quarter before Daniel Jones is out of there. And I get Brian Dayball said after the game, they asked him, you know, obviously they were going to ask him this question. Yeah. He said, we're just looking for something positive to take in the next week. But there's always the caveat that what if nothing positive happens? Yep. And nothing positive really, really did happen, right? And you're also risking uh, Daniel Jones, who you just gave this massive extension to, he's going to get hurt. And you don't want him to get hurt. And we've seen, and we'll talk about this in our next segment, the MetLife Stadium turf is a little dangerous.
0: Yes, it, it, is. it has claimed the ACLs, the ankles, the, every every lower leg, every p- lower part of the leg of, of, of a lot of players over the last few years. And uh, But yeah, definitely a great way to start the season for the Dallas Cowboys. And I mean, for the Giants, it's obviously frustrating. But again, it's this is early. It's week one. You got 16 more weeks to turn it around. And I, I, again, I think we can all agree with this, and we've said it already, but this isn't gonna be the Giants of the 2023 year. I mean, this this just isn't it. We understand that. And I I'm just really excited for this NFC East. Um, I mean, it's 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 gonna be a great season between some of these teams that are gonna go for it and get into the wild card or win the division, things like that. But really exciting way to start the season for the Dallas Cowboys. But coming up next in hour two, we've got some more games to recap from the Chargers. And the Dolphins game going to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, and then finishing off with some other games. But we've got another hour here on Riff Ram Review. You're listening to 88.7 KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio.
4: The mission statement of Hope Farm is simple providing a leadership program guiding at risk boys to become Christ centered men of integrity. The vision is promising, cultivating a future and a hope for boys. But the challenge, it's great. The boys at Hope Farm, who range in age from 5 to 18, share one bond. None of them have a father living in the home. Most of their fathers chose to leave their families. Studies have shown that fatherless children are 76% more likely to take part in crime, 69% more likely to take drugs, and 90% of all homeless and runaway children, they're from fatherless homes. We will pay one way or another. Either now, to prepare these boys for a bright future, or later, to keep them locked away so they don't negatively impact our future. Either way, we pay. Consider partnering with Hope Farm as we dream bigger than ourselves and sow the seeds for the future. For more information, visit HopeFarmFW.org. That's HopeFarmFW.org.
1: Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Apishian and Seth Dattle. We're here in hour number two where we will talk about the rest of the NFL. We just talked about the Dallas Cowboys. Talk about the rest of the NFL because there was some exciting games. It just felt so good to be watching NFL football here. Finally back, best time of the year. We're going to first talk about the Dolphins and the Chargers, which was an absolute shootout. That's something that I expected and that I said in the last episode. I I thought this was going to be a shootout, and it was with the Dolphins winning 36-34 and the Chargers once again proving – that they cannot close out games to save their lives, man. It's, it's frustrating, and I'm not even a Chargers fan. Uh, despite the Chargers running for 233 yards on the ground, they got 117 from Austin Eckler, 91 from Josh, Joshua Kelly. It was Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek Hill was making play after play after play for the miami dolphins getting the win in week one
0: yeah this is a new year for everyone a new year for the chargers but it's the same old chargers and i think that's been the story of the last two or three years under brandon staley it's been
2: what did quentin johnson get himself into guys i know
0: well I'm, i'm hoping quentin can turn this can can turn this franchise around but they've got some big problems on their hands brandon staley just again i feel like year after year just has proven that he can't command a legitimate football team, and I think again closing games out, just like you said, is the biggest problem. And I mean, but at the same time, they gave us one heck of a game, so they I am did. thankful for they that. Did. The yeah.
2: defense is the issue for the for the Chargers. Obviously, you put up 34 points and Kellen Moore's offensive coordinator debut, uh, but Brandon Staley, who is there because he is a defensive minded head coach, he just can't seem to get it together. And you know, and this past Sunday afternoon was you, but i am was the was you know just the epitome of that but as you said Ian, thank you so much for giving me my fantasy win Tyreek Hill had 44 and a half points
0: oh my gosh Tyreek Hill my savior oh my Laleigh god won me me the, he won me the won me
2: the game yeah. he's
0: great he is tremendous and I, I i was talking with Zion today there were a couple of passes that Tua were, was 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 launching down the field and i wasn't sure what was more impressive whether it was the throw or that Tyreek Hill actually caught up to some of those balls i mean and but that's what you get when you have a uh, when when you have such a wonderful quarterback and then someone like Tyreek Hill who you really just toss it up to and you just the, let him go grab. The
2: go ahead touchdown was just, he yep. to a drop that yes. right in the basket. Yep. That was such a great throw and then a really good catch by Tyreek because he f- from from the camera angle it really looked like he was getting he his vision was somewhat blocked yep. of the ball and he just like boop, it's in my arms touchdown we win.
1: Yeah, I want to give an appreciation to To Tua Tagovailoa, because I think he doesn't get enough respect. He gets hurt a lot, and that's super unfortunate, but I feel like he gets a lot of criticism. Some of it might be fair, but I think he's a solid quarterback. He proved that today on Sunday. He is the Dolphins guy. I really like what I saw from Tua. And I'm also a big Justin Herbert guy, and this does not fall on Justin Herbert, okay? I just want to make that very clear. The Chargers' defense. If you look at Seth, you talked about how like how poor they are. If you look at the players on that team, and it's a lot of names, but yep. not a lot of Derwin James. connectivity. Yeah, Derwin James, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Asante Samuel Jr., Eric Kendricks. Who you know, whatever. J.C. Jackson. You know, those are pretty well-known names uh, amongst most NFL fans. You know, and. They just do not seem to put it together. It's kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I just, I just don't get it. I don't understand. They, they traded for Khalil Mack, and I was like, oh, boom, right? They got, they have, they've had Joey Bosa for a long time. Obviously, he, we know what Joey Bosa is capable of. It, it, you said it's Zion. It, it, it looks like it should all be there, but it's just not, and it's really unfortunate because, uh, and you know, Ian, you might disagree here because you're an AFC West guy. But I would love to see the Chargers succeed. I, I I think that it would be a fun time to see the Chargers, you know, post-Philip Rivers, get some stuff done here. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. We'll get to <laughs> yeah. that in a second.
0: No, I mean, and, and, and again, I feel like that's the thing, right? With the Chargers, there's, in terms of their offense, I mean, the personalities on their offense, I, I guess just taking a step away from the football, talking just about the personalities, I mean, I feel like, Justin Herbert's a guy that you can't really root against. I mean, even as, for me, a Raider fan and someone that's, you know, supposed to be against all AFC West teams, I mean, Justin Herbert's a great quarterback, and you want to see him do well. And it's a shame that he hasn't had the opportunity to actually do that here with the Chargers. Like, yes, he's had the opportunities to, but it's more just the fact that it's the defenses that have let him down year after year after year. And I think it's frustrating for him because at a certain point, Herbert's done all that he can do. You look at that wide receiver core, and it's really talented on paper, but man, is it injury prone. It's perhaps the most injury prone wide receiving core, maybe outside of the Cincinnati Bengals, I want to say something like that. Um, I know that the the Bengals kind of came out of left field there, but just thinking about the players that they have, right, and and how they use them. Keenan Allen will get hurt at some point this year. Mike Williams was sidelined for a little bit already in that first game, and not not to 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 down talk Quentin Johnson, but he's someone that he, if he gets a knee injury, an ankle injury, he's a lot like Mike Mike Williams in the sense that those injuries will linger for a guy like Quentin if he doesn't rest and doesn't come back a hundred percent healthy. And but at the same time, that's something that you can't do in the NFL is come back hundred percent healthy. No one's gonna play at a hundred percent at a hundred percent health, I guess. Um, but it's it's just too bad Justin Herbert's a great quarterback and it's just you need to be able to put all three facets, facets of the game together
2: really good game there but we got to pivot to probably the biggest news I think outside of any game and unfortunately the biggest news of NFL week 1 is an injury
1: yeah It is Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. They did get the win on Monday night over the Bills. Electric win. A very fun win. It was a great win for the Jets, but obviously the bigger news here is Aaron Rodgers going down with that Achilles injury, and it wasn't just him. J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens also missed out for the season with an Achilles injury, and Mike Williams had to leave the game, and there are, I believe, a few other guys, notable players that had Injuries in week one, but obviously the big one was Aaron Rodgers. And I'm a Cowboys fan. Aaron Rodgers has broken my heart several times over the years. I it's hard. I I I'm not a Aaron Rodgers guy. Like I think he's a great quarterback. I've just I you know it's hard. I don't want to root for him because yeah. he's killed my team so many times. But this was absolutely heartbreaking to watch because this was probably the biggest story coming into the NFL season was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time leaving the Green Bay Packers to play for a young and exciting New York Jets team that hasn't had much relevance over the last few years, and all the excitement goes away after, what, four snaps?
2: Yeah, Yeah. it was like 10 seconds, and all of a sudden the life had just been sucked out of the building. And good for them that the fans got to sit there and, and watch them win a game like that against their rival on Monday Night Football. But just... It's just heartbreaking. And, you know, it's hard to root for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's been in the news. He's kind of a controversial figure. But just as like a plain, like, athlete, you're watching someone, you know, that you know loves this sport. And and from what I could tell from watching Hard Knocks and then watching him in, you know, press conferences and interviews and stuff, he really wanted to see that Jets team succeed. He really was willing to take the baton and be like that older veteran leader for what is a really young and inexperienced team. Uh, and and I think that the Jets really could have had a lot of success if Aaron Rodgers could have played a full season for them.
0: Yeah, and and with Aaron Rodgers, it's it's unfortunate because just like you said, Seth, I I feel like the Aaron Rodgers pre New York Jets wasn't necessarily an Aaron Rodgers that would want to go into a team and understand. Look, this isn't gonna the 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 production value isn't gonna be necessarily yielded right away. But now that he's gone there, it's it's a transition for the team and also for him that. He hasn't really had to deal with a lot as a as a quarterback, and it's also tough because Aaron Rodgers is 39. He's turning 40 on December 2nd, and so then the conversation comes into play where well, you know on, on on whether or not look okay. You're, if you want to come back, you can come back, but that season you will turn 41 years old, and it's tough because also then I think about Zach Wilson as a quarterback that I was looking forward to him sitting under Rodgers for this season and maybe part of next season and learning from someone like Aaron Rodgers and you know for for however long it's been I'm sure he's learned a lot under Rodgers but I also kind of think about how this could affect Zach Wilson as as for 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 his career as well.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about Zach Wilson a little more too because imagine you're Zach Wilson you get drafted to be the franchise quarterback of the New York Jets and they haven't had success in the past but they feel that this is the guy this is our guy th- that we want and you don't he really he gets two seasons and here comes Aaron Rodgers one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time comes to New York and takes your position and you just have to accept it and you have to sit there as the backup and you're thinking what can I do to help this team as the backup quarterback now to the New York Jets on a whim? And then here this happens. And all of a sudden the Jets, you know, are saying, Hey, remember all that we said about Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Well now it's your team again. So go get him." I cannot imagine how difficult that must've been for, uh, for, for Wilson and for him to go out there and get them a win.
0: Yeah. And, and with the Jets, right. It's, it's, even after Rodgers went down with the injury, I think what's concerning with the jets is that it's not even like they played particularly well after that. And, 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 you know, not to say that they should have bounced back. That like defense, that was nothing, though. but, but that defense was what kept them in that game. Right. And, and, but again, with, with Zach Wilson, right. It's just like, look, this could have been the time for him to learn a little bit, gain some experience, even though he's been in the league for two years already. Right. But this could have been the year for him to kind of learn under him, under Rogers. And, and, now it's just been thrown in the trash.
2: I really think that, and this will be the final thing I think we need to say about this before we move on to another disappointing thing in the NFL that I believe Zion has a lot to talk about, but uh, was that defense was so good against the Bills, and there's a separate conversation to be had against, about Josh Allen yep. and that Bills offense that I don't think we're going to have today, but we can certainly you know table that depending on what happens this next week and <laughs> in the, in the coming weeks, but that defense is special that's a special defensive mm-hmm. unit they got there and it's just a really a shame because that defense yes while it carried them in that game and I think the ceiling and I heard a lot of Jets fans saying this the ceiling was Zach Wilson probably is around eight wins I'd say yep. that's part the ceiling but with Aaron Rodgers it's what like 12 13 maybe oh, yeah. right with yep. that defense specifically as well uh, the offensive line obviously was is a little bit of an issue and we saw it that's the reason Aaron Rodgers is, is, was sitting on the ground with a torn Achilles four snaps into the game but that defense i think sauce gardner he's great he's he's good he's pretty good and then there's other there's so many others they picked off josh allen three times Uh, and and, you know josh allen a a bit of a gunslinger but he's a he's a pretty good quarterback right at least that's you know a common narrative about josh allen to, to do that against a, a Bills team that a lot of people have really high expectations for, really unfortunate to see that maybe the this Jets team, you're, it's the second year in a row they're going to be wasting this good defense. Yep. And it sucks.
1: Yep, It is a shame. And I think another team that we're going to be talking about right now that to me really disappointed was the Chicago Bears. They made a lot of moves during the offseason. Ryan Poles was active. They got DJ Moore. From Carolina, they upgraded their dreadful defense. They got TJ Edwards from the Eagles, Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo, Yannick and Gakway. They let go of David Montgomery. So now Khalil Herbert's the starting running back. And really Justin Fields is the guy that you know people were really excited to see. Mm-hmm. And they lost 31, 38 to twenty at home against their rival, the Green Bay Packers. And of course, Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing. It was Jordan Love, and to me, I was completely uninspired by that Chicago Bears offense. I was expecting much better from that team, and DJ Moore was not involved in at all, really, and it was kind of a shame to see. I think the Bears can be better, but that was a very disappointing start to the season for Chicago. I like Justin Fields. He's a great quarterback, but... The offensive line did not help him out either, and that defense got shredded on the ground. Aaron Jones ran all over that Bears defense. I expected better from Chicago.
0: Yeah, and and with with Jordan Love, I, I mean, I, I think I was talking to you, Seth, but I felt like every time I was watching red zone, it would pan straight to the the Packers-Bears game, and I'd see Jordan Love dinking one into the end zone for, for six. I mean, it was left and right continuously with jordan love jordan love jordan love and it's great to see right this guy's been waiting his time under aaron Rodgers, and obviously now left but it's great to see someone like jordan love kind of taking that roll up now and but then for justin fields right it's almost the exact opposite this guy's had time you make changes to your offense to your defense and the pieces just fall apart in in week one it's 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 quite disappointing so
1: yeah, and did you guys see that pick 6 that Fields threw to Quay Walker which yeah. first of all was not really the greatest read to begin with, but then it was terrible tackling on the part of Chicago. They just it just felt like they just gave up. And I felt bad for Bears fans. This was also another game, another situation where Bears fans have been waiting for a while. And they aren't going to be a great team, but they were going to be better. And I thought they were going to be a little more exciting. I didn't see that Sunday. Maybe we'll
0: see that come for the rest of the season. Yeah, but now now shifting, I I, I do want to get some, some we got AFC Ian's, Ian's got to,
2: Ian's got to release something right now. He's got to release... How about them Raiders?
0: Oh my gosh, I am so happy we won. I am so happy. I do want to send like a thank you card to Will Lutz just for missing a field goal and a PAT. <laughs> I'd like to take him out to a steak dinner, treat him nice. Really appreciate the win, but them Raiders, I'm super happy. I, I told you guys on the podcast and I've told you guys off, off, off air. I had really no expectations for this team, but now after this week one, I can kind of set what I expect going forward. Um, again, really no expectations heading into the year, but I, I was happy with how Jimmy Garoppolo played, um, one thing that i like about jimmy was that look maybe the skill isn't necessarily there but he's an incredibly smart quarterback and he knows where he needs to put the ball maybe he can't necessarily get it there you know every single time but he's a decisive quarterback doesn't seem like he hesitates he he made um what was a game-clinching first down rush on on a third and seven play where perhaps in years past, I don't necessarily know if we would have gotten that with Derek Carr. Um, that's very big for me to say because I love Derek Carr. He's a big yeah. Derek Carr fanboy.
2: Um, I, I, you know, there's always like a, a a like three and four possibility. You look at Ian's phone and he's looking at a picture of Derek Carr.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but no, really happy with how the Raiders played. I thought our defense, there are a couple of discipline penalties that definitely need to get cleaned up. It wasn't a perfect game by any means, right? Um the, the discipline penalties were obviously there, and then some P.I. calls that definitely need to clean up heading into this game against the Buffalo Bills away, if I'm not mistaken, away or home. Yeah, it
2: should be on the road.
0: Yeah, but really happy with the win. I was really relieved. Sunday and Monday would have been a horrible day if yeah. we had lost, but really happy with the Raiders. Jacoby Myers, loved seeing him play. He had nine receptions for 81 yards and two touchdowns before he had to leave the game because of a concussion issue, but... Really happy with the Raiders.
2: The first thing I saw in the Raiders game was Jimmy Garoppolo on the ground in pain. And I was like, we're doing this again? (laughs) We're doing... I I I almost... I sent up up a quick prayer, and I I almost texted Ian, and I was like, I'm sorry. And then, like, Red Zone Zone panned back to the game, and I was like, oh, he's back. We're chilling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I got an influx of text messages when I saw Jimmy Garoppolo's head go right into the dirt. Mm -hmm. And then I look up at the screen, and I see ancient mummified brian hoyer jogging off the sideline (laughs) and i said to myself are you kidding me this is week one against the broncos away very winnable game and then on what it was the first drive then i see brian hoyer i swear josh mcdaniels loves brian hoyer yeah
2: I, i feel like he was always on those patriots teams yeah yeah Earning, he
0: was stealing people's money. That's what he's doing. He's stealing money from Mark Davis.
1: Yeah, it was
0: a
2: There's good win.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, it's a it's a good win for the Raiders. I admittedly didn't watch the game, but it was cool, you know, looking at the box score and seeing Jacoby Myers score a touchdown. <laughs> Remember that time where he struggled to score for like almost all season long, but with New England. But yeah, moving forward, uh, let's talk about, quickly, with the San Francisco 49ers, their defense is the real deal. They balled out against Pittsburgh, and uh, that was an incredible performance by them.
0: Really scary defense. Really scary defense. I mean, I don't think we would have expected anything else out of this Niner team. They've shown it year after year that they can contend. And again, with Brock Purdy, right, the questions were asked after last season, who's going to start, right? They got Sam Darnold and then obviously trading Trey Lance, but... I mean, Brock Purdy, you've got to be happy with how he started. McCaffrey, 152 yards on the ground with a touchdown to go with it, but then that defense was just all over
2: the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brock Purdy does not have to do much at all with the weapons he has. McCaffrey, Samuel, just, and then the defense too. But Brock Purdy really is just in there, and Kyle Shanahan is like, all right, this is the offense. These are the reads. Throw the ball to the receiver. He will catch it. He will run, and we will win. That is what Brock Purdy's job is, and he is—I believe—he hasn't lost a game. The only game he's lost is the NFC Championship game, and he—he w- he played a he, quarter and a half. He of it. wasn't there, yeah. really. Yeah. His arm was his arm was like on the ground, dangling for the for a good chunk of that game.
1: Yeah. So nice win for the 49ers. We are going to take a quick break, and we'll look ahead to Week Three or Week Two. Sorry, Week Two of the NFL season, and we're gonna have a fun little mm-hmm. segment in a little while doing a spin the wheel sort of thing so stay tuned for that you're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice
3: Ladies and gentlemen we're back live at the national butt out finals and we're down to our last contestant AJ Langer he's all fired up we can see smoke coming out of his nose and there's a big cloud of smoke around his head and there he goes it's out! He put his butt out in 2.6 seconds! Now the judges are checking his butt to make sure every bit of combustible material is extinguished. A thumbs up! A new world record for extinguishing a cigarette! 2.6 seconds! Lori is with AJ. Lori? AJ, how did you get so good at putting your butt out? Well, Lori, I burnt the house down. I was a careless smoker. So you learned the hard way.
4: Hard and costly way.
3: You have any tips for the smokers out there?
4: Oh, you get a sturdy ashtray, you push down hard, and twist with the wrist.
3: Right. And let's see who can beat 2.6 seconds. Smoking is the number one cause of preventable home fire deaths. Check out usfa.dhs.gov smoking. A message from the U.S. Fire Administration and firefighters everywhere.
0: Welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on eighty-eight point seven, the choice your choice for college radio. That's a little T
2: Swift, isn't it? Every single one of these songs have been Taylor Swift songs. <laughs>
0: oh, have they? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, anyways, welcome I've back ban- to bo- Riff Ram I, Review. I, I've, I've <laughs>
2: banboothed you all
0: the yeah. entire time. I, I didn't realize those were all T Swift songs. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I like Taylor. I, I think Taylor Swift puts
0: out. We the got bangers. two more coming. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, everybody, welcome back to the Riff Ram Review. I'm Ian Dapitian, alongside other hosts, Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. We've talked a little bit about week one, NFL recapping some of the hottest games from this last Sunday and Monday night's game. But now we got to look ahead to week two, because there are some really good-looking matchups coming ahead. And we want to start local with the Dallas Cowboys, who will be coming back to play their first game at Jerry's World this season in 2023. And they're going to be hosting the New York Jets. Uh, Dan Quinn's got to be licking his chops looking at this New York Jets team and just getting excited for this game, huh?
2: He's very excited about this offensive line and facing... Uh, zach wilson i would i would believe this game really has lost a lot of its luster for me uh now that aaron Rodgers is not playing but i feel i feel like there's still a lot to talk about because this is a total cowboys trap game situation this is a total this is the this the spot where the cowboys will just lay an egg zion i believe like i've i've watched this team for 20 years and it would total. it's totally in the cards
1: Yeah, it totally is. I mean, I've seen enough of Cowboys football in the 21st century to know that this is totally a possibility. But I would like to think that things are different this season and that the Cowboys could roll right through this game. Certainly the dynamic duo of Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, who is a little older, but still a good back, could certainly threaten the Cowboys. Garrett Wilson's an incredible receiver. And there's A lot at stake here with the defense as well, with the Jets' defense and the Cowboys' defense going at it. I think you know two of the top three, top five defenses in the NFL, there's a lot of excitement there. I could totally see where the Jets' defense keeps it close to the offense, and Zach Wilson does enough. But I I think the Cowboys will win this game. It's important that they continue to emphasize the running game with Tony Pollard to set things up for play action, to stretch the field with CeeDee Lamb and – Brandon cooks
2: the one way that the Jets I believe can win this game they're gonna that defense is legit and I think that defense can really you know disrupt what the Cowboys want to do uh and if this kind of gets into like a a really just like a sloppy fight I I I don't want to say advantage Jets I don't think it's advantage Jets but certainly you know this is the NFL any given Sunday anyone can beat anyone right and it doesn't matter you know the talent level uh, big or small anyone can win And the Jets, I believe the spread at the start is 3.5. That'll certainly go lean more Cowboys as the week goes on. But open at 3.5, obviously, that's more of a coin flip than, than anything, right?
1: Yeah, and it does help that the Cowboys are at home because I do think the Cowboys play better at home. They did just get a win on the road, but they are a better home team. And another thing, too, is... Hopefully the kicking game can uh, figure itself. Well, the kicking was fine, besides the missed extra point in, in the first one. But obviously, I think Cowboys fans get a little PTSD from last year with, yeah. with Brent Maher. Yeah, towards I was the end
2: like, I tweeted out when Brandon Aubrey missed that extra point that it had been 84 years since a Cowboys <laughs> kicker had made a point after attempt.
1: Yeah, and so yes, honestly, field goals are and extra points are going to play a big part in this game because. Cowboys offense probably won't score a lot of points against this Jets defense, but we'll see how it goes. I'm excited for this game.
2: I do want to correct myself real fast. Uh, the line did open at three and a half. It is now uh, Dallas is now a nine point favorites. Oh wow! wow. Really?
1: Okay. They really don't like trust Zach Wilson at all. I it's to, it's I'm telling you, it's a total trap game. But I still believe.
2: Also, over the over under thirty eight.
1: Okay, is I'm really? okay. I'm taking the under on that, but. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. By the way, I'm pointing at our camera right now. Just making that clear.
2: Score prediction, Zion. Go.
1: Uh. Oh. Wow. Okay. Um. I'll, I'll say. I'll say. Tw- tw- Twenty-four. Just as TCU. 24-17. seventeen. Twenty-four
2: seventeen. I'm. I'm gonna go twenty-seven. Seventeen.
0: I'm. 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 I'm sticking with Zion. 24-17, Cowboys. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. If we, if we
2: had a graphic here at the bottom, this would totally be the the moment like on game day where they all pick the yep. same team and then lock it in, lo- you know, all that stuff. Everyone chooses the team that nobody wants to win, but we should get a we should get a, a star and put it on one of our heads, like Lee Corso. Oh my
0: god, yeah, Lee Corso, legend. We can't beat college game day. We yeah. just
2: can't. But
0: anyways, moving on, we got some more games that we want to talk about. Ravens and bang- uh, the, the 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 Ravens and Bengals are playing this weekend, and for the Ravens, they're coming off a solid win, twenty-five to nine, over the Houston Texans. Wasn't the greatest start for CJ Stroud, but for the for the Ravens, they got the job done. But then you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, and Ooh-wee. I mean, gosh, you have a lot to prove to turn around. You just handed out fifty-five million dollars a year to. Joe Burrow, and he helped put your team three points on the board. And so you've got a lot to prove. That was
2: Evan McPherson.
0: Yeah, yeah. but Against but, the
2: Browns. Exactly. Against the Browns.
0: Exactly. So lots of proof for the Bengals there. What are you guys kind of thinking about with the Ravens-Bengals matchup?
2: Uh, you know, it's always a, a charged AFC North kind of matchup. always love those AFC North games. And I love that the schedule makers were like, Bengals, you're getting two of those in a row. You're going to face your— face your state rival in the Browns, then you got go to got to go to Baltimore. I think, actually, no, the game's at home for them. Yeah, uh, But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to see how this offense responds for Cincy, right? You, you expected a lot more against a, a Browns defense that a lot of people, you know, they thought could be okay. There's some pieces there. Miles Garrett, obviously, Denzel Ward. But the defense has struggled in the past couple of years. And then you just shelled out Literally a semi-truck load of money to, to Joe Burrow, right? Yeah. It's filled with 17 million wheelbarrows. for Burrow. Wheelbarrows. Wheelbarrows. <laughs> totally unintentional. Uh, uh, of, of cash for Joe Burrow, who, you know, admittedly, that offense did not get a lot of looks in the preseason. No. Joe Burrow had the calf injury that he was kind of nursing. Uh, so that was kind of their first kind of go-around. But really a bad spot to get your first go-around yep. against... The Browns in the rain. Yeah. I feel like there's always at least one game that the Bengals and the Browns play where it's just the the conditions are just the worst. And mm-hmm. it's always in Cleveland. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And last year the Bengals got off to a 0 2 start and they bounced back in a pretty big way. They rattled off several wins in a row. I think the Bengals will bounce back. I, I really I think the Ravens, yeah, they won, but I didn't see a whole lot outside of Zay Flowers and they didn't have Mark Andrews, which is important for that offense for him to be there. And they just lost J.K. Dobbins, so now you have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill as the running backs for Baltimore. And you know, they'll probably end up getting hurt too, honestly. That Baltimore running back, I feel bad because they, the, the it's Ravens, just a cycling amount of injuries.
2: The Ravens have just been bitten with injury bugs forever I feel I feel like I'm always watching the Ravens they're like all right well here's the injury report half the team's out we signed Gerald from down the street he's gonna play wide receiver for us today yeah
1: but it's it this is not gonna happen again for Cincinnati I cannot imagine a scenario where the Bengals either don't find the end zone or just completely struggle again T Higgins had zero catches if that happens again I will be absolutely shocked like there's i don't think there's any chance that happens jamar chase he had five catches for 39 yards i totally expect cincinnati to bounce back i think they win actually pretty big if i'm being honest i think that they they definitely beat the ravens but who knows
0: well next up we've got Colts and texans i think that's going to be an incredibly exciting game he got cj stroud going up against anthony richardson stroud Obviously, with the Texans only putting up nine points, a little bit underwhelming for sure. With with Stroud making his, his NFL debut, but Anthony Richardson definitely impressed. The the you know despite losing 31-21 to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Anthony Richardson had himself a, a, a solid NFL debut.
2: Yeah, and the Colts were had the lead in that game yeah. very late. Uh, the Jaguars rattled off fourteen points yep. v- v- toward the end of the game to you know make that game look a little bit. You know, out more out of reach than it actually was, but I really liked what I saw. Anthony Richardson. I'm going to agree with what Trevor Lawrence told him after the game, which was great game. Got to protect yourself because there was a lot of times where he was just, you know, running straight into defenders and then getting tackled pretty hard, and you don't want to see that out of especially a guy who's that athletic. You really got to keep him healthy because that's what that is. Anthony Richardson. His whole deal is I'm fast. I'm I'm fast and athletic. Right. And that that's his whole. I'm not. I'm not saying shtick and like that. He's that. That's a bad thing. But that's what makes Anthony Richardson That's why the Colts drafted him. Is that they got? They've totally pivoted from the last couple of years of Colts quarterbacks and Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan, where there is zero mobility. Now they have like the most mobility. It's a total pivot. It's funny actually.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for what Anthony Richardson could bring to the table this season. The big thing that I noticed from week one is that sometimes his eyes were look too far down the field sometimes you just got to take the check down there were multiple chances where they could have picked up 5 6 yards on a check down that's something that Anthony Richardson needs to work on and that's what a lot of rookie quarterbacks struggle with is they want the big play or they look their eyes look to one their first option when their second and third option is wide open for you know a substantial gain
0: Yeah, well, just as we're getting, just getting to the end of this segment, there's two more games I just want to touch on incredibly briefly, but Giants Cardinals, two teams that are coming off of really poor losses, um, but those teams will definitely have to go at it this week. And then 49ers Rams, I'm just, I'm I'm excited for that. That's another NFC West matchup, seeing how the Niners played this weekend. And then the Rams getting that win over uh, the Seattle Seahawks, really exciting to see that a lot of Niner fans down in Los Angeles. We've seen videos over the last few years in playoff games and wildcard games whatnot. It's going to be a lot of red. See an absolute sea of red down at SoFi Stadium. But that wraps up our segment here. Looking ahead to week number two in the NFL season. We had a great week one, but week two is coming up and it starts tomorrow on Thursday night. But stick here. We've got one last segment here before we call the show tonight with overreaction or not you're listening to riffram review here on 88.7 the choice your choice for college radio
3: it may be hard to believe but people just like you are already saving money feedthepig.org makes it easy their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard so you don't need to mooch off your friends you going to finish that grape You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We
1: need a new stuntman.
3: Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on FeedThePig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
1: right here on KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Apieschen and Seth Dowdle. We are here for our final segment. Seth, why don't you explain what our final segment's going to be?
2: The Riff Ram Review Crew decides whether or not it's an overreaction let's go, also known as... T-R-R-R-C-D-W-O-N-I-A-O-L-G.
1: That was <laughs> impressive. You got that like that really off pretty quickly.
2: Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> Price is right, baby.
1: Yeah, we got a little wheel here that... <laughs> if we could,
2: w- yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the wheel.
1: Yeah, you can see the wheel on YouTube with a bunch of takes, and we're going to decide whether it's an overreaction or not. We're each going to get two takes, uh, or two that we'll have to see if it's an overreaction or not. Ian's gonna spin the wheel. You're up first, Ian. So uh, All right. All right.
0: let's spin away. Let's see what we get on the prizes. All right. We we have a various sports to talk about here. Lions miss the playoffs. Overreaction or not? I'm saying it's an overreaction. I don't know. I, I, I really like this Lions team. Um, I love Dan Campbell. I want to see him succeed. And, I mean, the way they started against the Chiefs, I'm excited for them. I th- I think they can really grow and build upon what they did last year, even though they lost a couple pieces, especially within their running game. I'm really excited to see Jared Goff again. I mean, we talked about it last show, but Jared Goff, this is the last person we would have expected to be kind of leading a team at this point. But now he's kind of at the helm for, for the Lions and, you know— Maybe it wasn't the idea that the Lions would make, would miss the playoffs, but I just feel like this Lions team has a lot of green grass in front of them, and it's just up to them to to, to kind of take the season by the scruff of the neck.
1: Yeah, they. I think they have the best team in the NFC, NFC North. It's hard to say that another team will rise above Detroit. They looked really good on Thursday night. I like this Detroit Lions team. And it feels, I think it feels good for me. I can't okay. imagine how good it feels for Lions fans to
0: say, yeah, we actually have a good team.
2: No comment on this. Let's spin that wheel again.
0: <laughs> All right, it's my turn. Right, this is your turn. Yeah. All right, here's the spin for Zion. All right. Hopefully, I get something good. Let's see here.
1: What, a oh, compliment my- rival team. <laughs> oh, this <Are> was you- <laughs> the
2: last thing we put on there, and no one wanted
1: it. Are you kidding me? So I have to compliment my rival. Okay.
2: Pick, pick one, anyone? one. Yeah, pick, pick one. Oh,
1: gosh. Uh, I don't know. This is really hard. Okay, I'll go with the Houston Astros, Ugh, probably dude, really? my least favorite team. I'll, I'll do one other team, I guess, after
2: this. For, do, do two? You're going to take this punishment and run with it?
1: Okay, well, I'm trying to decide if I want to do the Astros or the Eagles. Those are like my two least favorite teams. Do the
0: Eagles? I don't want to hear All anything right. nice we'll about. Do, the Astros. Okay.
1: we'll do the we'll do the Eagles because I was just thinking about my least favorite teams. We'll do the Eagles, okay? Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback.
4: <laughs> that
1: was okay. I, okay that no. was so hard. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll I'll say this: the Eagles oh gosh okay when they went out to dreams and nightmares by meek mill in the super bowl i think it was 2018 that was super sick and i hated to admit it but i was like wow that is probably one of the coolest entrances i've ever seen um i i like aj brown he's a he's a mm, he's a good he's good for a
0: fantasy team yeah
1: he's good uh gosh this is it's really tough. Do I have to keep going? Nope. Can, can I stop? <laughs> no, okay, here We oh can see that goodness. this is visibly painful <laughs> is for you. This is so painful. I, I don't even think I could have done an Astros one. The Eagles, that was...
0: I mean, the Astros one, I could say, you know, one of them could play the drums in a band. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. banging them
1: trash
2: cans, you yeah. know. Carlos Beltran's a pretty Fastball. good drum player. Oh,
1: yeah, Um. I, I like Kyle Tucker. He's killed the Rangers, but he's a good player.
2: Um, All right, spin that wheel. Yeah, let's All right. spin it. It's Seth, Seth's
1: it's your turn. turn.
2: All right, let's do this. I love that wheel spin sound. It sounds really nice.
0: Oh, Seager for AL MVP.
2: Yes, I think that Corey Seager is the most valuable player in the American League. I don't. I don't think that this is an under rea- or an overreaction whatsoever. Everyone's going to point to Shohei Otani, and yes, Shohei Otani is the best player that baseball has to offer. But Shohei Otani, uh, spoiler alert, is not on the field right now consistently at all has not been for the past two months. Corey Seager has not either, but when Corey Se- <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was, I was, I was waiting say, for that. Yeah, I was going to say. I know, but
2: Corey Seager, when he is on the field, and, and here's the thing, the reason I say that this is not an overreaction is because of what the what I think the voters could do. Voting for all these kind of awards is a what-have-you-done-for-me-recently kind of thing, and if Shohei Otani is going to get shut down for the rest of the year and Corey Seager goes, you know, into the rest of the season looking really good. I could I could possibly see that happening. Now, here's the thing. I just said that I think that Corey Seager should win the American League MVP. Obviously, a very biased opinion from me. Corey Seager leads the American League in batting average, right? He's hitting over .340. He uh, is having career years and all the other nu- uh, offensive statistical numbers. I, I just don't see a world where without Corey Seager, the Texas Rangers— or any good
0: yeah and, and and I think right that goes back to that conversation of MVP is that just the best player or the player that's really most valuable to that team right in 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 terms of the circumstances throughout the season and I think something with Corey Seeger I don't know it's 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 he's always been there for the Rangers obviously outside of being injured he's always been there for the Rangers when they needed it and he's been their most impressive player this season you know and and right going back to what you said recency bias right? I think that can really play into it. Just like you said, if, if Otani is shut down, how much does that recency bias play into the thoughts of the
2: voters for this, right? Also, the Angels suck. Yep.
1: Yeah,
0: that's kind of what I was going
1: at is why – get? I understand Shohei is ex- extremely valuable, but where are the Angels right now? They're not even close in playoff contention. And Corey Singer, Seager could single-handedly will the – not single-handedly, but –
2: it feels like it sometimes. Yeah,
1: will the Rangers to the postseason. And I think he leads the American League in doubles as well.
2: Leads the league in doubles, and he's missed a month.
1: It's insane. I. It is truly unbelievable watching this guy play baseball. I am so grateful that I get to see him play. I agree, Seth. I think he should win American League MVP.
2: Ian, spin the wheel. It's your turn. Go. All right.
1: This is your final take.
2: I think I think we might have time we for another time one. For a oh, okay. We, we have might time have time for another,
1: for another one. one. Okay, cool.
0: Oh, boy. What, what is that? No top four for Newcastle United. <laughs>
1: Thank God I did not have to do that. I still could, actually. I still may have to. Well, I don't know. But Well, yeah. if it
2: comes up again, we're not going to talk That's about that. That's exactly. true. Exactly. That's true. This is the perfect one for Ian to get because Ian wrote this on the board, <laughs> and Zion and I looked at each other and we're like, <laughs> What? Well, he, yeah. Zion wrote "New" in "Castle" in two separate words <laughs> when he wrote it down.
1: I do not. I did not know Newcastle United even existed until two hours ago. So yeah. that would not have been good for me.
2: Yeah. No.
0: With Newcastle, um, obviously, for everyone that's not familiar, they're a part of the English Premier League over in the in the United Kingdom, and they they're coming off the back of a really solid season where they finish in the top four. They're gonna go play in Champions League, but. They're a really young team, inexperienced. So no top four for Newcastle. I I I think that is that that's underrated. I I I think that Newcastle will not make it to the top four. Um Newcastle's a really young team. They've got a lot of great talent, a lot of skill, but the experience, the veteran presence isn't necessarily there yet. And the thing is in 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 international soccer, some of these clubs are playing multiple competitions. You have the Premier league but then you you've also got the efl cup the fa cup and then you also have the champions league that newcastle made it into from last season's placings in the Premier league and for a team like newcastle you're gonna have to kind of weigh out your options and say look where where do we need to play our strongest lineups because there's a certain point in the season where a lot of players have the mileage on their legs and there becomes a point where you say look we can't focus on all four of these competitions we need to kind of pick and choose at this point And so depending on how far they get in the Champions League, obviously you're going to go for the Champions League. That's going to be your primary, that in the Premier League. But I'm expecting Newcastle to get knocked out of the Champions League, and then they'll be able to focus on some other competitions. But until then, they've got a very young team that's very inexperienced, and they have a manager that hasn't experienced a long season like this in so many competitions. So that's my worry for them. I want to see them do well. They're a team that haven't been doing well for the last decade and even more than that but they just got new ownership under Saudi Arabian owners they have a new coach um, who, who coached for them last season for the first time Eddie Howe and lots of new talented young players um, to go along with that so really excited for the team I don't know if top four is in their future this season though so
2: I got no comment on this Zion. <laughs> I, we want to spin it again
0: yeah um, I agree <laughs> <laughs> all right Zion your turn right all right yeah let's
1: do it
2: that's a good spin. That was a powerful that was, one. That was a was really was a good solid one.
1: solid spin. All right, weird. What do I got here? Oh, oh we got MVP. Seager from spin, it a- spin, spin it again. Spin it again. Spin it again. Yes. <laughs> Not an overreaction.
0: What are the odds that we get that again?
1: That is pretty intense. We have like 14 of them.
0: Evan Carter equals rangers future
1: yeah so that was the one i put is evan carter will be the best player on the texas rangers in two years is that an overreaction or not uh i'm gonna say no because here's the thing evan carter what he's doing right now he just got brought up to the big leagues what he was doing at AA and triple a was remarkable this dude's already making an impact. He's had, I think, two or three outfield assists already. Seth, do you know how many games he's played? I'm, it's been what, like six? six? He played six games. Yeah, he. I actually just checked. He just had an RBI single to give the extend the Rangers' lead over Toronto. He has a home run. He's a very patient hitter for a young guy like that, and he's wearing number thirty two. Guess who also wore number thirty two? Josh Hamilton. He was a pretty good Texas Ranger. He was okay. Uh, he's great. So <laughs> he was okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want people to misinterpret that. No, Evan Carter. I really do think. Obviously, in a couple of years, you think Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon will still be kind of the leaders of that team. And who knows? Wyatt Lankford could also be with the Rangers by that time. He should be. He's already at Double A. But I don't think that's an overreaction. I think Evan Carter could be one of the best. But I'm gonna say the best Texas Ranger in two years.
0: Wow. Even better than like an A's prospect
2: that you guys might poach from? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny, Ian. Spin that wheel for me.
1: Here we go. A very long one. I yeah.
2: know, I know. oh,
0: oh, oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. Oh. Okay. So it's the Jets season is over without Aaron Rodgers, like, I guess do they miss the pl- they were gonna miss the playoffs? It's over. Is
2: that is that okay? Miss the playoffs? Is that the definition? Over? Yeah, yeah.
1: they're gonna miss the postseason.
2: Overreaction. Ah, okay. I think, and I said it when we talked about. Uh, I think this defense is special. I think that defense is really good, and I think it's gonna carry them to more wins than they deserve to get. And that's really all I have to say about it. I, I don't. Uh, Zach Wilson uh, is kind of. Uh, still a wait and see for me you know we've seen a lot from zach wilson he's still staring down receivers a little bit too much for my liking which uh, i don't know if you all know this but if you just look at the guy then the corner's like oh you're gonna throw it to him i'm gonna go get that and that's kind of what happened against the bills but i think this defense is really good and i think that they with the combination of you know zach wilson does have some good offensive weapons behind him this does this offense does not have to be completely zach wilson dependent Uh, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall exist, so I think that their season is not over. There is still a shot for the New York Jets.
1: There is, but I I'm disagreeing with you on this one, Seth. I do. I think I don't think they can make the postseason with
0: how good the AFC East is. But we'll see. I'm rooting for them. Yeah, definitely rooting for the Jets. Definitely to come by after that first game but
2: we might have time for two more spins we no no we
0: got a lot of time on here we we, we might have to manufacture some spins <laughs> depending on, yeah. on on which ones we go through to be honest but yeah. all right we're, we're sending it around the horn again
2: this is great i love that sound this is awesome oh 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 oh, oh. Oh,
0: whoa, whoa, oh, whoa. Goodness. Oh, that's what fell. Okay, for everyone watching or listening at home, something flicked off the ceiling and hit me in the head. <laughs> I
2: saw that. Okay. What in the world? You know, I
0: know. Something flicked off the ceiling and hit me in the head, and if you could hear from the wheel spinning, it wasn't a consistent it was not a consistent spin, excuse me as I stepped away from the mic. I actually have one of the little tickers that broke off of the spinner and now it's landed on Ben Shelton. ben Shelton making it to the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Open semifinals equals thumbs up. So, Seth, what? This was your
1: take. yeah. I wrote this. What was it, what was right. the thing?
2: So, Ben Shelton, an American uh, tennis player, uh, made the U.S. Open semifinals, lost to Novak Djokovic, and it was a really good, I thought, uh, tennis match. Uh, but not a lot of uh, good. Uh, there hasn't been a, a really dominant men's tennis player from the United States. That has kind of taken this country by storm in some time. But from what I noticed on social media and kind of around campus as well, there was some buzz about Ben Shelton's performance. I heard some buzz about what Ben Shelton did. I literally, walking to class in Reed Hall, I heard people talking about Ben Shelton. Really? Which kind of, you know, inspired me to put this on the board. Because, I mean, he really kind of invigorated my fandom for tennis. And it was a really fun time to watch this young kid. He's 20 years old go up against the best in the world and make it really far. Uh, but, Ian, you yeah. have to talk about so
1: it. So do you think it's an overreaction that Ben Shelton will get you, the Americans, to be talking about men's well, tennis? Well, not
2: just to get Americans to talk about tennis, but, like, get a, you know, will there be a dominant tennis player that... From, um, from, from, some, from some, the U.S. And, gotcha. and it might be Ben Shelton. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. It, no, I mean, based off of my incredibly extensive tennis <laughs> knowledge, I mean, you guys know I love going out to the court playing a little tennis oh, here on yeah. the weekend. Um no, Ben Shelton, who f- first, when, when I heard his name, sounded like a country singer. Um, that was
1: Blake Shelton. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I think he can be great. I do. Cool. From what I've heard from Seth Dowdle over there. Ben All Shelton right. sounds like the real deal go at watch age the, go,
2: go and watch some highlights of Ben Shelton. His serve is 150 miles an hour. He serves the, the ball 150 miles an hour.
0: He can fizz it with the racket.
2: Yeah. So go and, go and watch some Ben Shelton highlights tonight. Right. Uh uh, watch his match uh, don't have to watch the whole thing watch some highlights of his match against uh, Tiafo. that was really good Tiafoe yeah. got
1: it I'm gonna just watch King Richard the uh, Will Smith uh, Serena Williams that movie slaps uh, movie and that's that's a... oh, wow yeah slaps
0: Will Smith <laughs> oh yeah Low blow. Anyhow, <laughs> spin that wheel. Uh, All right, it's my turn. Let's hope this thing doesn't break off.
1: Yeah, that, I was wondering where that came from. It hit the ceiling from. and thought, it hit, it hit you? my head.
0: And I looked down and I'm like, I, "Who threw?" I something?
1: thought our boss Jeff came in and like threw something. Oh, uh, we got Lions, Lions missing the playoffs, playoff, so we're gonna spin it again. But uh, let's see what I get here. Hopefully, hopefully it's one I have extensive knowledge of. Evan Carter again. So uh, spin it more, again. More, one
0: last spin. One last spin. Okay, I'm getting the sense one of these is about to flick off.
1: If not, then I'll just talk about one that I see, like
0: quickly. I can manufacture. I can okay. manufacture. All right, yeah, you can. You can pick one for me. Oh. Scott Hatterberg, best scene from a sports movie.
1: Ooh, is that an overreaction? Yes. You're... <laughs> 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 it. Uh, okay. It is an incredible scene. I think it's not—for even for me, it's not the best scene in the movie. I think the best scene in—of in, course, we're referring—let me make this clear, actually. We're talking about Moneyball, which is about Ian's Oakland A's, and we, we hear about it a lot from him. It's an incredible movie. Brad Pitt gives—and Jonah Hill, they give incredible performances. Chris, Chris Pratt— Mario plays Scott Hatterberg, and it is a scene that gets that gets me goosebumps. But for me personally, I think my favorite scene in that movie is where Billy Bean go. you know, he points uh, to Jonah Hill's character. I can't remember his name. He's like, what does he do? He gets on base. I just I love that scene for me personally, just whenever they're breaking down stats and whatnot. That's my favorite scene in the sports movie. Another scene that comes to mind is, remember the Titans with the strong side? You know, that that nope. scene's pretty nope. iconic. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others. They're, they're, for me, personally, I think it's an overreaction. I don't think it's the best yeah. scene in a sports movie. But You
0: know what, Zion? It's okay to have wrong opinions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is an incredible scene, though. I'll give it that. But, you know, not the best. One Shame more, on you.
2: One more spin for me, please.
0: Yeah. All right. Last spin of the day. Probably
2: ever. I don't know if we're... Are we ever going to do this again? We got to bring this back at we some should. point.
1: We should, absolutely.
2: Oh, this is oh. a
1: good one. TCU will not make a bowl game. Overreaction
2: or not? Oh, boy. Oh. I think right now, as we currently sit, that is an overreaction.
0: Really? You think that's an overreaction?
2: I think so, yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think... So, I think Seth and I are in agreement here. Ian, you disagree
2: i i uh, this i i have the floor yeah. so I yeah will, it is I, you do have the floor uh i think that this is an overreaction uh just right now i, I don't think there's enough data points to point at here to, to really jump to that conclusion because what we've seen from the big 12 and some of the opponents that tcu is playing uh there might be some advantages that tcu has and i think that there is a uh, there is a, a shot to get five wins on uh, six wins on this schedule and that's all you're trying to get to to win a bowl game uh you can be houston uh you can beat SMU, although uh, we've had our discussions and we'll have some more next week about that SMU game, about how difficult that might be. You can beat BYU. Uh, you can certainly, you know, beat Baylor. You can beat Texas Tech. And I think that gets you to... Does that get you six? Somewhere close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Sorry. My
2: my brain after
0: 4 o'clock stops doing math. I think that... I think, it's like, I think, yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. Well, that
2: you're, you're certainly very close. So I think TCU... Even with the struggles early on here, I don't think that it is. I I think it's a reach to say that TCU cannot make a bowl game. Yep. We'll
1: see. We'll see what happens. TCU will play Houston this Saturday. Can they get one step closer to a bowl game? We'll find out. We'll cross our fingers. So that will do it for episode three here for Riff Ram Review. Thank you all for tuning in. At any point during the show, we really do appreciate it. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can watch it on YouTube. You can see the little spin the wheel there. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok, all at RiffRamReview. It's this. It's the same throughout. And so we do appreciate you all tuning in. For Ian Napitian and Seth Dowdle. I'm Zion Trammel Thanks for tuning in. Have a good night and go Frogs. Oh.